Give her two weeks and she just goes for it. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles today, the book of Matthew, chapter 6, if you will, please. Welcome all of you here also joining us online. Um, how many have noticed that the world's kind of gotten a little bit different around you? And uh, have you ever, has it kind of been your experience that it kind of feels like there's um, kind of a spirit of, like, hostility? Like, it's easily, people are really easily irritated. Have you, have you come across that recently? Um, and it just makes me want to give us tools from, from God's Word on how to handle this. You know, I think because we've never lived in another time except, I mean, the times we've lived so far and we've seen how much change is happening that um, sometimes we think that the world has never been this way. But Solomon told us way, way long time ago that uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Um, There's none righteous, no, not one. Without Jesus, everybody's mean. Amen? I mean, literally, without Jesus, everybody has the ability to be just mean and honoring. I mean, some of us, even after you know Jesus, you know what I'm saying? It takes a lot to stop being mean and ornery, right? I'm not going to get any man on that one. That's okay. That's all right. But there are questions that I have for you today, and I believe they're very relevant to our day and to our times and to every one of us. And the very first question I want to ask you, everybody look this way. First question I want to ask you is this. How many of you today want to live like Jesus lived? I mean, Jesus was, was, he, was in, he lived in uh, a time that there was a Roman occupation of Israel. The dominant rulers were Gentiles, Romans, and... Uh, I think a lot of times that we kind of forget that Jesus came in a time that wasn't easy. I told you last week, God does not send his people to uh, easy places to do easy things. I mean, if there wasn't something to fix... God wouldn't send us there. Amen? So, on April the 26th of 1607, a small group of settlers arrived on the shores of this nation from England to lay claim to a new world. And as they stepped off from their boats into the fine sand of Cape Henry, They were anxious, and they were weary after their 144-day voyage from England. Three days later, amazed by this vast new land, they carefully carried ashore a rough-hewn seven-foot oak 
cross and they plunged it into the sand. And as they knelt around it, their spiritual leader, an Anglican priest named Robert Hunt, said these words, Every plantation which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. That was 415 years ago, and the land they set foot on has become the most prosperous nation in human history. Unparalleled freedom and creativity burst forth upon this land. Those folks came seeking a land where they could openly express their faith in God because they were being oppressed in England. Yet that same sickness that was upon England seems to be settling upon us. Many people look back to the optimistic beginnings of our country and they ask the question, what went wrong? Culture. What went wrong with thought? What went wrong with words? What went wrong with our deeds? What happened to the hopes and the aspirations of those brave pioneers? Were their brave efforts in vain? Well, more than ever before in my life, I am asking the question, if there really is an invisible world, and I believe there is, why are so few living in the power of that world? Because my first question to you today is, how many of you want to live like Jesus? And I just want to say to you today, the world Jesus lived in was a world that could not be seen with the naked eye, but he brought it into reality through what he said and what he did. And the natural world that could be seen was impacted by a world that could not be seen the invisible world. So I'm preaching to you a message called the invisible kingdom. We live today in a perplexed generation. In Matthew chapter 6 that I had you turn to, the Bible says this in verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Say this, His kingdom, and this is the important, His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We live today in a world where people are walking about sort of like zombies or robots. And they're trying to fill their lives today with experiences and and thrills and stuff. That is here today and tomorrow it's gone. Those without Christ, and I'm sad to say, even some born-again Christians who have taken their eyes off 
of the invisible kingdom of heaven and onto the visible kingdom of self. I want to say this, self is always the enemy of living righteously. We're either going to live righteously or we're going to live selfishly. And I ask you this question today, don't raise your hands, don't answer it out loud, just answer the question inside your heart, do you know God? Do you really know Him? Do you understand the things that we're seeing in the present? Do you know what God has said about the future? Do you know how things in this world really work? You see, God, the mighty creator of this this revolving planet that we call earth, has all the answers to our questions. Can I hear an amen? And I just invite you to look with me today at the starting point of Jesus' ministry It's there in Matthew as well. Just turn back a page or two to chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 2. This is John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of Christ. He was the cousin of Jesus in the flesh. He was six months older than Jesus. They worked in tandem by God's anointing. And this was the first thing that John the Baptist said. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, the invisible kingdom. What does that mean, the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Well, John was saying that it is coming. It will be here, and it, it was coming. The kingdom was at hand. Everybody say, at hand. But, but what was he really saying? What is the kingdom? What does it consist of? John declared that it was at hand. Now, notice what Jesus says in the next chapter, chapter 4 and verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It means it's here. Everybody say, God's kingdom, the invisible kingdom, is here. That's what John proclaimed, and that's what Jesus proclaimed. Same message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now somehow we've overlooked the fact that the kingdom of God was the central teaching of Jesus. We tend to centralize centralize it around a particular facet of that kingdom. Love or faith or healing. But he began his earthly ministry declaring that the kingdom of heaven was here and he ended it by speaking about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Slip over to the book of Acts, chapter 1. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Here it is. The first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus 
began to do and teach, this is Luke, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning what? The kingdom of God. This is after he ascended. It's the last thing he did. Now in those 40 days, his message was about the kingdom of God. So I just think it's time for somebody to stand up and declare again a fresh word about the invisible kingdom that can impact the visible kingdom. And the kingdom of God was at the heart of Jesus' ministry. He spoke of it as existing then, and it still exists now. I want you to understand that. It's not going to just come some distant day. In fact, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17, and look at verses 20 through 21. Are you getting something out of this yet? Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees, as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and he said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. You see, John said the kingdom of God's at hand. Jesus said, It's here in your midst. He lived the kingdom of God. My prayer today is that our insight today will be enlarged. Will you say amen to that? And that our understanding will be increased this morning. Because what God has to say to you today is precisely what you need if you're going to live in 2022 like Jesus lived when he walked this earth. And it's possible. Say it's possible. You see, very few people understand how, how to live like Jesus did. And here's much of the problem. Far too often we believe that it's unattainable because Jesus was the Son of God. I don't deny that. He never ceased being God. But Philippians chapter 2 is, read it, we should probably read that at least once a week, Philippians chapter 2. Because in that passage, it tells us that Jesus did not regard equality with God something that he had to hold on to. Because he knew that even living as a man, the power of the Holy Spirit was enough. Church, can I tell you today that Jesus is 100% man? He was born of the Virgin Mary by the power of God. His father is his father. Mary became pregnant because the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, just like he was brooding over the face of the deep when God created the earth. And Jesus, supernaturally, was born, even though he had existed, 
in the form of the Son of God, the Jesus, the second person of the Godhead. The Bible in chapter 2 of Philippians says he did not regard equality with God something to be held on to, but he emptied himself and became a man. Can I tell you today that Jesus is right now in heaven as a man? Resurrected. Pure. But he's also God. He never ceased being God. He even said, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it, and he did it to the T. He was perfect. He was without sin, and he was that way because of the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon him. Because when he was baptized in water by the Apostle John, by his cousin, by John the Baptist, he, the Bible says, was the Holy Spirit lit upon him like a dove. Everybody saw it, and they heard from heaven, Behold, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, right there at the baptism of Jesus. He showed honor to his parents. He was submitted to them, even though he knew he was called. At the age of 12, he knew more than they did. He knew who he was. He was in the temple teaching the teachers. Before his bar mitzvah, before he was even a son of the law, that's what it meant, bar mitzvah means son of the law. He became, he, he was a teacher of the teachers. And they were like, how did he get this knowledge? He read the law and saw himself in it. Why did Jesus come? He told us this in John 10. He says, the thief came to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came to give you life and to give it more abundant. Do you know what more abundant means, church? Beyond average. Don't settle for average. If you're a child of God, you deserve what Jesus did. He said, I came to give you life and more abundant life. He wants your needs met, financially, spiritually, mentally, physically. You see, sometimes we've been preached to wrong. We've been taught wrong. Clear back in the Old Testament, and I'm going to get to this in a little bit. You know what? This is going to be more than a one-time message. I'm not going to get through it all. I'm on page five, and I think I got like 17 of them here. I won't get through all of them. Just don't worry about it, and I'm not going to keep you forever. In fact, let's just look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're called Christians, right? It means like Jesus. Yet so often we're not understanding what we're called to be. Here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will only you will be only be above and you will not be underneath. 
if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. Now, see, there's, that, is a, that is what's called a conditional promise. There's a condition there. You will be the head only, not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. If. Everybody say if. And it's a big one. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today, and observe them carefully. Verse 14. And you do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Now, my question to you today is, did Jesus fulfill that? He observed everything the Father did. This is what Jesus said. I only do what I see the Father do. I am amazed at the number of Christians who have come into eternal, lasting, everlasting life. Hang on with me. Buckle up. Yet still insist on living day by day without real life. Under the circumstances. I'm not saying you're not going to go through things, but church, you can go through things victoriously, just like Jesus went through things. The Bible says he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Just because you're the son of God doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. Why? You're human. He was a man. He experienced everything. The Bible says he it felt, he feels the feeling of our infirmity. I mean, if you are crying your heart out because you have lost somebody, he knows what you're feeling even when he knew what he was going to do when he lost his good friend, Lazarus. The shortest verse in all of Scripture is about his pain. Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Because he was a man. He was experiencing loss. He saw Mary bawling her heart out. He saw Martha hurting. And it hurt him. But he knew what he was about to do. And the people even looked at him and said, Behold how he loved him. Oh, how he loves you and me. There are people sitting in this room today watching me online today, and you're in pain. Your hearts are hurting. You've been hurt by someone. You have lost loved ones that hurt your heart, pain you. You're praying for them. God understands it. And he feels what you're feeling. He's touched by the very feeling of our infirmities. I just thought somebody needed to tell you that again. He said, I came to give you life abundantly. Above average. In quantity, abundance means more than enough. It means there's leftovers. I mean, every time Jesus went and had a barbecue, there was leftovers. 
When he fed 5,000, he had 12 baskets left over, and he only started out with two fish and five loaves of bread. The next time it was 4,000 men, and he left with seven baskets left over. The number seven is the number of completion. The number 12 was how many disciples he had that didn't believe he could take two fish and five loads and feed 5,000 men. And so he's like, hey, just want to let you know, we're going to do it and then some. You see, God's not enough. He's too much. In quality, it means superior. In, in uh, measure, it means excessive, beyond measure. You can't measure it. But that abundant living, church, listen to me, doesn't just happen when you get saved. You can get saved and mentally assent to what God has done, but if there is not just if there's not a true heart change, there won't be a true mind change. And if there's not a true mind change, there won't be a mouth change. You see, we know that Peter was truly changed. On the, he was truly changed by the day of Pentecost. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were saved by the power of God, but then they were anointed with the same Spirit that was upon Jesus, and he said, the things I do, you're going to do, and even greater things are you going to do because you're more than just one. Peter's shadow would walk by, he would walk by somebody and his shadow would just touch somebody. Just his shadow healed people. Jesus has never did that. Peter and John go up to the temple to pray one day. Jesus had passed that gate so many times and there was a man begging alms who was lame from birth. He had been there for decades. Jesus would have passed by him. Jesus never healed him. Peter and John said he was begging for alms, and, and, and they said, hey, look at, look at me. This is what Peter said. Look at me. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. He gave him not what he asked for. He gave him what he needed. Because now the guy can walk. And here's what's amazing, and any physical therapist will tell you this, that man jumped up, went walking and leaping and praising God, never walking on those muscles before in the day of his life. Now that right there, a physical therapist will tell you, is an impossibility. Not with God. Abundant. I've been saved now for 49 years, and for 49 years I've walked in everlasting life, but in those years I have learned you can be saved and not walk in abundance. You can still live life in a mundane, defeated, average, and even less than average way, but Jesus did not live that way, and he did not want you to live that way. If he needed 5,000 people fed, he knew what to do and he knew where to go. Did you notice that he didn't go to the store? He didn't do it in the natural. He did it in the invisible. How? How was it happening? It just happened that every time they, they grabbed for bread and they grabbed for fish that they just kept coming. It's kind of like the woman in the Old Testament and the prophet 
throughout the whole famine. She just kept pouring oil until the famine ended and then the oil ended. <laughs> he lived in abundance. Every funeral he went to, he messed them up. I mean, it wasn't a funeral anymore. It was a celebration service. Abundant healing, abundant provision. I mean, they even had to pay taxes. They didn't have money to pay taxes, so Jesus said, well, Peter, you're a fisherman. Throw your line in the water. Threw his line in the water, out popped the fish, and there was enough to pay for the taxes for Jesus and Peter. A stater. He can touch your body. He can touch your finances. He can touch your mind and give you wisdom. He can touch your life and give you power. Jesus didn't just eat by on this church or on this earth church. He walked in abundance, the abundance of his father. He lived out of the overflow of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. And dear ones today, listen to me. Jesus has spoken quite precisely about how this kingdom of his works. I am talking today about the very first passage we looked at. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and every one of these things will be added unto you. The teaching that you are receiving right now from this pulpit is far from just theory. This is more than theological theory. There are actually principles, and I'm going to walk you through them. I call them keys. There are keys to this kingdom. How I many right now you have some keys in your purse or your pocket? And you could take it and put it in my car and it wouldn't work. You could bring it to my house and you couldn't get in. But it'll work in your car and it'll work in your house because you have the keys to it. But Jesus said to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Oh boy, that's different. I can give you the keys to the fellowship hall. I can give you the keys to the sanctuary. Or I could give you the keys of the church. It's a master. It'll go in any door. what Jesus gave us, the keys of the kingdom. Now, let me close with this. I'm going to make a statement. I hope I don't make anybody upset. But if it does, I know you and the Lord will work through it.
Most likely all of us in this room are bound in some way. Either we're bound in worry or we're bound in doubt. We can be bound in hurt. We can be bound in pain. We can be bound in addiction. And Jesus said, I came to tell you the truth. And the truth, it'll set you free. Spirit, soul, body. I hate to say it, but there are some believers in Jesus, they're bound to the past. And the devil is always reminding you of the past. Church, when the devil reminds you of your past, just turn it on him and remind him of his future. He loses. He's thrown alive, the Bible says in the book of Revelation at the end of the book. He's cast alive into the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone. Along with the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're cast alive into the Gehenna of hell, the lake of fire. The past is gone. And Jesus has, has forgiven you of your past. And listen, here's where we usually have problem. It's what someone else did to you in the past. And man, today you can just turn it on like a television set, and you can see it in full panoramic color. You can see the spit fly out of their mouth when they're yelling at you. You can see the contortion of their face. You can feel the words of that pain. You need to get rid of that little movie maker. You need to let that little movie maker get under the blood and stop being bound by it anymore and be freed from it. Jesus knew what it was like to have friends deny you. Every single one of his disciples he had poured three and a half years of his lives into walked away from him. It wasn't just Peter. I want you to be reminded of that. All of them did it. It wasn't just Judas that betrayed him. Every one of them did it. Maybe not for money, but they did it. Look at Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close for the day. I'll pick it up next week. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, those are pretty powerful men. But then Jesus zeroes in, and he hits them right in their bullseye of their own heart. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered under the inspiration of God. 
He said, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the very son of the living God. And this is what Jesus said. I don't, I don't think, yeah, we do have it up there. Jesus answered and he said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, what you just said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not overpower it. And then he says something really powerful in the next verse, verse 19. I will give you the keys of, say of, not to, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth, we're going to bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth, we're going to loose that in heaven. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say there, whatever God binds in heaven and on the earth will be bound. He said, whatever you bind, whatever you loose. You know what? That's our responsibility. Can I let you know today that the work that Jesus did on the cross was fulfilled and complete? That's why Jesus says, now to you, begin. Walk in the kingdom. Say, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. Well, hang around. Keep coming back. Keep watching because that's where we're going. I'm going to give you some keys. Jesus taught them. And man, if we'll hold these, if we will walk with these keys, you're going to see things opening up. You're going to be able to literally stand in the presence of your enemies and volatility, and you are going to be able to be at peace. Just like Jesus did often when they were trying to stone him and kill him and take him out, he just slipped through the crowd. Ain't no big thing. God's got it. Do you believe God's got it? I do too. I'm going to put my paper here so I don't forget where I stopped. Oh, Lord, you're so good. Bow with me today. Lord, you're good and you do good. And you love each one of us. I pray today, Lord, that you would sensitize us to your Holy Spirit. Let us hear your voice, Lord, like we've never heard before. We need it. I know that you're speaking today. Your word is still speaking today. Lord, let us hear. Let us receive. Let our hearts receive, Lord, not only what we've heard today, but what we're going to be taught in the weeks to come, we pray. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Stay cool out there. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.